Welcome back, everyone, to episode 52 of the Lay Film Podcast, where we discuss our love for movies, or sometimes not love for movies. I'm your co-host, Richie, and the rest of the Lay Film Gang. Kevin. Patrick. Tyler. And in this episode, uh, we welcome you to a very spooky season, as it is October, and yeah, it's been a long time. We're going to be talking about a horror film, and um, yeah, uh, how's everyone doing? I'm doing all right. (laughs) I'm hanging in there as best as I can. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm trying to work up the energy for another film month, but uh, it's hard. Just working. I've been doing pretty good as well. I can't do that in a film month. I'm trying to be more active, though. You know, be a little healthier lifestyle. Like what? What are you doing? Just like I'm trying to like get my lungs up, play some more basketball. You know, <laughs> still not. I can't lift. <laughs> it's too boring. <laughs> Anything to run around now or just be more productive. You know. Yeah, summer's gone. Um, not really. Yeah, it's not really. It was ninety degrees today. October. The feeling of summer hasn't left us, but um, we are in the uh, fall season now. Um, but good on you, Tyler. You're still playing basketball. I just played recently myself. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do need to start watching some more movies though. Yes, that's why we are back. Um, it's been like. How long? Two months? <laughs> since oh, wow. we've done this? A little, little bit of hiatus. I think since, since like the end of July. A little summer break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was 117 here. <laughs> we got an excuse. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing is we're still here, okay? You know? <laughs> it was a busy time. Now we got the holidays approaching. You got those. You're in Midtown too. Fall in Midtown is like the best. Yeah, I know you were talking about sack earlier, but it <laughs> sometimes those the leaves, the colors changing. You know. Oh yeah, I love going out to McKinley and seeing just all the leaves on the ground <laughs> and having it not smell like sewers. <laughs> you ever visit like the Rose Garden? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really go there too much, but I have been there before. The Rose Garden's pretty nice. But I have uh, also been trying to work up the courage for another 30 days, 30 films, or 31 days, 30 fi- 31 films type event. I feel like I've been kind of doing that this month without even realizing it. I, um, I watched, um, uh, what's it called, uh, Deep Red by Dario Argento mm-hmm. on October 1st. And then I watched Almost Famous, which is a movie that I've been like putting off for a long time. I've never seen I've been wanting to watch that too. You know, it made me rediscover my love for Patrick Fugit. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. But he was in a movie called Wrist Cutters as well, which was like one of those like coming of age movies that like really stuck with me when I was like 15 and 16. Um, and then I watched some more, um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? His name, oh, Rainer, Rainer Werner Fassbender, 
Uh, I've been watching uh, like another TV series of his called uh, Eight Hours Don't Make a Day about like a working class family having to deal with like the late industrial movement in like the 70s, um, which I've been really enjoying. And then obviously this movie, of course, to Cure. Um, I am a day behind. I feel like I might try and do like a recap every week. To try and like lessen the burden of posting like every day. <laughs> you should have like like six. I feel like six out of seven days a week is good. You know. Yeah. Give yeah, yourself see? a grace day. Yeah. You know, like, it's a it's God's day. Nobody has time Sunday. to watch one movie a day. <laughs> no, you know? just you just stay up till four a.m. like me. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> miserable, missing sleep, <laughs> failing at the end. I haven't finished the past three months, I think. Wait, how many hours of sleep do you get, Patrick? Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> I sleep at like nine thirty now. I feel like an old man. No, I don't feel like an old man. I just sleep like an old person. How, how many hours do you get? <clears throat> like seven and a half, uh, maybe. You know, I'm still pretty good eight. at sleeping. Yeah, I wake up at like five in the morning. <laughs> you are an old man. <laughs> wait, so, what the fuck? so you go to bed at like <laughs> nine thirty or ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, wait, I try yeah, to wake up at five every day because I'm like I need to work on my health. <laughs> it means yeah. waking up super early before the sun even rises. I need to do that too. It <laughs> is nice. Seriously. But now I'm waking up at 10. <laughs> I don't go to bed till like 2 though. I'm waking up at 3. Yeah. I got a bunch of night owls in here. <laughs> uh, I used to be a night owl. So Damn bartender life. <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, I almost forgot to mention this. I saw a movie too. I saw Don't Worry Darling. Oh, oh shit. Yes. Harry Styles, how do you do? Things about that movie. Uh, that movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, in a good way? No, no. Hilariously <laughs> bad. Uh, the movie is, uh, it gives me, I appreciate Olivia Wilde's go of it. The script does her no favors, and the editing does her no, does her no favors at all. Like, it's caught, like, it's shot well, and it's trying, they attempt to do artistic stuff with it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the first 40 minutes, like you guys mentioned with Harry Styles. It is boyfriend Harry Styles simulator. <laughs> like the only scenes he's in for the first 40 minutes is like he's immediately sexually attacking the protagonist. <laughs> and then like yeah, assaulting. No, like assaulting? Well, not like attacking, but like oh. like oh here's here's the husband character. What's oh he's just gonna kiss her on the neck again and like oh I see instigate sex in some way. It's like oh okay. And then the next scene he shows up. It's like oh okay. yeah oh nope he's doing it again. All right. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah uh, no the ending really surprised me. Uh, it's definitely saying stuff. It's pretty funny in what it's saying as well. It's where the script comes all together. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much. I wouldn't recommend watching it just to see it. Like, uh, we talk, I, I talk about this a lot. It's at least, you could see it's inspirations, but it's at least an original concept enough for me where I'm like, oh, it's like a, there's kind of a Bioshock angle. There's kind of a oh. modern stuff. You know, well, it's, it's let me, well, <laughs> Bioshock, like Bioshock. Bioshock 1 has the, uh, I love Bioshock. Yeah, but it has the environment, the story. Yeah. Uh, bio, it's Bioshock-like is that there's a uh, male leader of a community that's isolated, mm-hmm. but there's no like no gods or kings, only man speech. There's nothing that high level. It's kind of like flat and not written well. Like yeah, and then the ending reveal. I won't spoil it, but it's it's like 
a mashup of multiple genres trying to talk about something current. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun watch and uh, uh, kind of fun horror film. Oh, good. How, how did Miss Flo do? Uh, she's her and Chris Pine are the two who feel like the most competent actors. And then Olivia Wilde is decent. And the neighbor, whose name I always forget, the husband of Olivia Wilde in the film. Uh, he does a lot of voice actor work. He's also really good, but then everyone else feels like they were selected for their uh, photo, like their uh, headshots. Right. Like there's a certain core character who like sees something traumatic, and it's just like very tilted the acting and then mm. a lot of the film gave me a headache at the start but then I could see people saying like oh it's meant to give you a headache and that's where I'm like no like, like movies aren't meant to give you headaches like Christopher Nolan movies <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> shots over there Avery <laughs> Cheeks I haven't seen Tenet is that a headache invoker <laughs> well because he says like it's meant you're not meant to understand it because even though it's booming and too loud it's just like so am I meant to be annoying? Yeah. Here could arguably be a head of a headache. Shut up. In the film we watched today has all this like like visceral stuff and like uncomfortable feeling. At no point I had like a direct headache like watching that movie. Like yeah, every scene starts with music playing. Like and it's like the hits from the fifties. Like any song you can think of like gets a turn and it's like the mm. intro to every scene for the first hour. And it's just like, it feels like a hammer just hitting you in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I can see people saying like it's artistic expression. Like, oh, like you're feeling like this uh, character in in this environment. Like, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's intentionally doing that directly. I think it's just a byproduct of. You guys are going too deep. No, yeah. Well, the, yeah, I'd give more credit to the conclusion, like tied it up neatly with a bow. It doesn't, but I still highly recommend seeing it just to see the. Just to okay. see it. Yeah, I want to hear everyone's thoughts. It's so uh, unique. Damn, okay. <laughs> they should have done a Bioshock movie with Florence Pugh. I'd watch that. Yeah. What character would she be, though? She'd be a little... I'll, I'll see her play the main character. <laughs> <laughs> she can't. No, maybe she could. No, yeah. So did Chris Pine really spit on Harry Styles? I don't oh, wait, know. I think that was all made up. I saw the clip. What was that, right? So, or was it the other way around? I think it's the other way around, but it yeah. doesn't matter. That's yeah. <laughs> stupid. This isn't a fucking he's a, tabloid he's, podcast. That was way I'm more sorry, important guys. than the movie itself. <laughs> he's My a bad. musician who doesn't need an acting career, so he kind of takes a shit on, I think. Well, and he was dating Olivia Wilde, I think. There was a huge bunch of rumors about that. Yeah, that's another thing where he doesn't take the... I feel for every other actor in the film because they get kind of shit on by this musician coming in like, hey, I'm going to act now. I'm going to sleep with the director who's engaged. I'm going to ruin the marriage and make this whole film actually about my drama and not about these other actors who this is all they have. And I'm a musician. I could just leave at any point. Allegedly, he got paid more than Florence Pugh. Oh, my God. I hate him so much. I don't know if that's entirely true. Pat, you were on fire. Right? You shouldn't have brought up Harry Styles. <laughs> Wait, he's going to be an Oscar-nominated actor in like a couple years, right? For what movie? For... <laughs> He can't act. act. He can't act. Spider-Man. No, Six. Harry <laughs> Styles, multiverse Spider-Man. I don't want to spoil it too much directly, but his British accent, they wave, he, they wave it away through a plot device, a little throwaway line of like, wait, no, it's like 50s America. Why does he have a British accent? Is it because he's from England? 
and they they wave it away in the weirdest way possible because you couldn't just fake an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Because <laughs> he tries to in certain scenes and it's like. Mm. But yeah, that's sorry for that little tangent. Uh, it, was, it was an experience. I'm I'm here for the tangents. I can't wait. You guys should really watch it without not in theaters probably. Yeah. Tell me what you, wait, you saw it in theaters? Uh, yeah, we went to. I thought, I thought this was like a streaming thing that you were doing. No, no, I went right to the theater. And yeah. Was this on like your watch list or like? No, no, this is a. Oh, you got dragged to it or? Not dragged. I got invited. I got invited to a nice date and uh, yeah, I, I was, I was cracking jokes the whole time before <laughs> and the whole time after. I was properly annoying, but I it was a good date. I like how you brought the, the drink away from the mic to drink it, and it just picked it totally up even better. Up. <laughs> Why are you doing that? It's good mics. It's nice, like, <laughs> a getting sound in the background. ASMR. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd highly recommend seeing Don't Worry mm-hmm. Darling. I almost went to see it actually. You should in go theaters see it. Too. You should go but see then it. I was like, remembered all the crazy stuff I saw. I was like, nah, this movie's probably gonna fucking suck. <laughs> it does, but it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to talk about after. Just, at least it made money, so I'm yay for original movies, I guess. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the only thing, yeah. the big takeaway is it's yeah. original enough. Yeah. You, um,. You watched Nope also, right? I know we mentioned oh, yeah. it before, and we didn't get to talk about it. Um, I did see Nope. Yes, I watched it as well. <laughs> Have you guys seen Nope? I saw it, yeah. Nice, nice. I have not seen it, but if you want to talk about spoilers, that's okay with me. But then again, like... I don't think you really need to talk yeah. about spoilers. <laughs> I think it's Jordan Peele's best movie right now, in my opinion. I think it's his, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I still think Get Out's the best. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I did like it. I thought it was the funniest one, for sure. Pat's the big alien guy. That's what. What do you think? <laughs> My big negative <laughs> is it wasn't the alien. It wasn't the alien movie I wanted. And that's all I can. Really? Imagine. But was it the I feel alien like it had, movie you? I needed. feel like it had signs elements to it. There was one scene that had signs elements. Now I I. I, again, I went with Jamie. And Whoa. I, I was literally... I literally Sorry, my bad. I was like, that was scary. <laughs> that was like a, I'm trying to adjust the mic. <laughs> that was like a... Gr- I felt like I was, I was like, being hypnotized in a fucking cure real yeah, quick. Yeah, coming out. I'm being mesmerized <laughs> right now. Like, Kevin, what are you doing with this? There's just water like spilled like right next to my foot. I'm like, fuck. It's flowing <laughs> towards you slowly. You know, uh, apparently Jordan Peele's a... Huge fan of anime, so he definitely had like some references to um, Akira and oh yeah, big slide and Evan- Evangelion, yeah. The Evangelion references. Um, towards the end of the movie, when things reveal itself, that's all I'll say. Oh, you know? I see, I see, I yeah. see, I see. Yeah, yeah. Flower. Spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's a science moment. In a barn, and I was like, that, yeah. "That's what I wanted. That's where I like, yeah. I, I the, with the aliens the next to me." Yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, this, this is so part. funny!" <laughs> like it's happening. <laughs> I was like, "This is the movie. It's aliens. Oh my god!" And then, uh, no, it's a different alien movie, but it's still really good. He's like, uh, you mentioned the uh, original movie support. Like, he seems like he's definitely still one of the few people making completely original feeling films where it's like, "Oh yeah, he's 
doing good. I support him. I think Get Out was better just for the social commentary aspect. Mm. But uh, yeah, Nope is really good. It was a fun alien movie. Yes, yes. it's fun. And, and the, the horror aspect was actually pretty horrifying. I was actually like pretty gripped by it. For sure. That's where I'm kind that's of, very disturbing. That's where opinion. yeah, that's where it kind of lost me. Like mm. when it leaves fire in the sky territory mm. and it becomes what it is, I'm like, ah, like I like it better when they put you on the dissecting table and it's mm. way more scary to me than what we got. But it's still really scary, but kinda of towards the end it feels like a different movie. I don't want to spoil it by saying it's like a, this movie, but it's like, you know, a monster movie. Yeah. Raining dimes and nickels and shit's pretty scary, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just getting sniped by pennies. I'll take a barrage of pennies over looking on my window. There's a gray alien True. on the neighbor's roof looking into my window as the light's on. I go, no. <laughs> when, the, when the lights are on, that's when you know there's no there's no hope left. <laughs> they can see right in. They can see everything. When you turn off the lights and you see the silhouette and then it ducks behind the roof. Just, just... Just kill yourself right there in the room. <laughs> no, yeah, I've been watching the science trailer. Because it's October. And yeah, that little... Just the little leg scene enough. I'm like, it sends me back. Oh, you've been watching the trailer? Yeah, because I'm like, I want to watch the movie again. And if I see the trailer with the leg steps out of the corn. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah. Tyler, you brought this up before the podcast. I want to hear, just like, off the cuff top horror movies not necessarily like of all time in your opinions but like just stuff that comes to mind you know like stuff that's made a very strong impression on you uh i've seen parts of the shining i saw the hallway scene that was pretty fucked up as a kid well what age did you see that i think i was like eight or something Mm -hmm. oh (laughs) yeah uh legends of the fall I don't, I don't even know this is a horror. I've never seen it. But Brad, Brad Pitt. With Brad Pitt. Yeah. There's like a grizzly bear scene in that. That was hella traumatizing as a kid. Um, and then the Grinch. <laughs> Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, <laughs> hey, that is entirely valid. No, yeah, signs. I said signs for sure. That's what I was saying. Though. I'm like, I don't really like have very many horror films under my belt. That you guys, Possession was pretty scary. Um, oh yeah, Paranormal Activity 2. Mm. Fuck that. Seen Jeepers Creepers? Nope. Nope. Oh uh, yeah, Justin Long and Jeepers Creepers, yeah. Exorcism of Emily Rose or whatever? Oh, that one's good. <sighs> yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> I actually didn't even watch that, but I remember my parents watching it like in the living room downstairs with like surround sound and shit, and I'm like <laughs> upstairs in my room so you could just hear her like... <laughs> And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my god, your imagination is yeah. just like going wild. <laughs> were, were you a kid? I remember being a kid when we lived with our uncle. And did you get like a horror movie? And we were young enough, he's like, this is too scary, you can't be watching this. And we'd be in bed and we we're supposed to be asleep. But we'd sneak out and like watch it from the hallway. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's hands me, yeah. The yeah, no, fuck no, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> uh, I was like four years old doing that, watching Friday the 13th. <laughs> Like Jason in Manhattan, I remember that. <laughs> I think um, my family, like there was a Child's Play marathon on, and it was like playing Child's Play like one, two, and I think there's a third one, right? Or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think that's in boot camp or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember like I was probably four or five, 
And the only reason I can remember it now is just because of how terrified I was of it and of dolls. Um, my sister had a doll where, like, when you would lift its head, it would, like, raise its eyes. <laughs> and, it, and the hair was all, like, kind of wiry and stuff. And it had, like, the bluest eyes I had, like, ever seen as, like, a kid. And it just terrified me for, like, weeks on end after I, like, you know, caught glimpses of that, of that, of those, uh, movies. Yeah, I have a very similar experience with Child's Play. I used to, I had a My Buddy toy doll. Oh, no. Do you remember those My Buddies? Yeah. And my mom tells me stories when I was, like, three or four. She'd, uh, hang out around the hallway end. And she'd stick, she'd control the doll with one arm, she'd stick it around the corner, like it was talking to me, down the hall. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it used to scare you so bad. And I was like, yeah, it was. And then one night, she hid under my bed as I was brushing my teeth. Oh my god. <laughs> and I was in bed, and she poked, she put it up from under the bed, so it's like, he was like standing at my bed, like, hey, Your play. mom's a menace. <laughs> I hit the wall, that's how scared I was. I was like, I was like an animal <laughs> scratching at the wall. <laughs> But yeah, that fear of me was instilled by the Chucky movies, and I think I would leave my body at a certain point. Like, if someone brought the VHS cover, I would just stand there and, like, leave my body. And then my uncle saw my younger cousin doing that to me too much. And he's like, I'd be, like, just desensitizing myself, or disassociating from my body at, like, age six in the hallway, and she's, like, laughing. And my uncle's like, this is fucked up, I gotta throw this away. So he threw it away, and I guess my aunt loved that movie. And she was resentful when she found out, like, my uncle threw away the VHS because I was being tormented by it. So she went to, like, the mall and got a literal Chucky doll. <laughs> oh, my God. As, like, revenge on a seven-year-old or something. <laughs> and then, yeah, that lasted, like, a month before my uncle was like, okay, enough of this. And he also threw it out and was like, don't buy any more Chucky memorabilia he, you don't need it he's a kid let him let him recover and then I'll show him signs and then we watch and I was traumatized again he w- he went from being your hero to your to your villain and then oh he was the he'd scare us the most he used to on foggy days for school we you know, like where you can't see across the road He'd be, like, talking the whole time we're getting ready for school. Like, oh, you better be careful for the science aliens. They're going to be out today because <laughs> no one can see him coming. And I'm like, no, no, he's not. Shut up. And then we'd go out and we'd wait for the bus. And he would literally, like, sneak out to the side yard. <laughs> and he'd do the clicking noises, like, loud enough so we could hear it at the bus stop. <laughs> and we'd be like, like, do we go inside? Are they actually coming? And like, no, he's messing with us. But, you know, like, you're a kid. You can believe him. Maybe aliens are real. Maybe they are coming for us. <laughs> <laughs> but nice. yeah I, that's why I'm I think I'm a lot similar to Tyler in avoiding a lot of horror movies I haven't seen so many same like I can't even play horror video games yeah I, I get too into it and yeah die in the game I die in real life that's what I feel like <laughs> exactly like you die in the game I've never even tried to play a horror video game we gotta play PT I still have that I think oh. the closest thing to horror I played was like Doom 3 oh that was horrible that was so scary <laughs> I think I played like Dead Space and then I was also gifted Resident Evil 2 remake by Jezzer and like it got so bad where I like ended up having to go over to his place to like play the game as him like guiding me through it. It's like training wheels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I can't do this on my own. Like, 
Help me. Help me. <laughs> I think I remember that. It was like a liquor. And he's like, if you don't move fast enough, I won't attack you. Yeah. Like, no, man. Yeah, it was a liquor, me. yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. But yeah, I, I have like a special like soft, soft spot in my uh, heart for horror, though. Especially with like uh, horror books. There's this one book that um, I read in high school called House of Leaves. And it's like a, a story within a story within a story about like a fake documentary or whatever. But inside of like the fake documentary, it's about this guy named Will Navidson whose family buys a house. And he ends up realizing that the inside of the house is, is I want to say it's like one and a half inches larger than the outside of the house. And he goes down like this hallway and he ends up calling it the five and a half minute hallway because as you're walking down it, it turns into like this, it like just keeps stretching. And then it leads to like this doorway that has just like a labyrinth inside of it where there's like no lights. It's just pure white walls, like on like left and right sides. And then after X amount of time, like it shifts and then into an entirely different like layout. And it was like one of the most horrifying like reads I've like ever encountered, and I feel that like sounds I'm, fucking terrifying. Yeah, I was not able to sleep right for like two weeks after reading this book, but it's like still like one of my top books of like all time. Like it sounds like that would give me like gnarly dreams. No, and the book itself, it's like a, a crazy layout. Like you have to like flip it like left and right because it like goes in like a spiral at times, and like some pages will have like one to two words on it. So you literally have to keep like doing a page turn to like Damn. keep up with it, and it like builds up like the anxiety in you. Wow. And it has like annotation, like fake annotations inside of it. Oh god, <laughs> that movie is like I no not the movie. That's my, that's my, one of my dream projects mm. is to make an adaptation of House of Leaves. And that yeah. has been the case since I've read it. Like that and making a, a Frankenstein. Like mm. those are like two of my dream projects. That's like super immersive. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds like that just gave me a panic attack. <laughs> You're, like, reading it on an airplane. People are looking at you, like, turning your book. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, and, and like, that whole experience, like, it reminded me of, like, Cure in a way. Because with Cure, it doesn't really... It's not really horror in the typical way that you, you know, see so many horror movies. It's, like, more of a spiritual horror film. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it, like, attacks, like, spirituality, which is, like... Nobody knows anything about spirituality, no matter how much they, like, put down into, like, texts. And, like, they develop, like, all these, like, uh, organized, like, religions to try and, like, make sense of it all. And it's, like, you can study this stuff for years, but at the end of it, you're going to, like, die. And then that's it. Like, (laughs) so, I don't know. Like, with this movie, though, it, like, really channels the unknowingness that we all have as, like, a collective, like, civilization into this whole other, like, area that is just beyond our com- beyond our comprehension. Like, it goes beyond even, like, Lovecraftian horror, which to me is, like, the most, like, kind of existential horror you can, like, get. But this, like, goes beyond that. It, like, scratches the, like, surface of it, and it leaves me wanting, like, more to, like, crack underneath, like, that, that layer of ice, so to speak. Yeah, I can't wait for us to talk about it. Um, yeah, we should transition to that uh, in a second. I do want to mention real quick that I've been watching like a string of like horror films, not intentionally, but 
it just happened that I've been watching a bunch of horror movies. And um, yeah, like we mentioned Nope. I watched uh, Barbarian. That one was really, really good. Another comedian turned horror film director. Um, that one's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, super original. Glad is doing successful numbers. And um, I watched Pearl, um, a slasher film starring Mia Goth, who she also executively, executively produced and wrote. So she had a lot of um, creative decisions in the character that she played in Pearl. I thought she did really, really good. It makes me excited. I want to watch X now and Maxine, the sequel. Um, with that being said, yeah, let's transition into our review of Cure. And I would like to read the synopsis. Um, Cure is a film by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Uh, released in 1997. It is about a wave of gruesome murders that, that's sweeping Tokyo. The only connection is a bloody X carved into the neck of each of the victims. In each case, the murderer is found near the victim and remembers nothing of the crime. Detective Ta Takabi and psychologist Sakuma are called in to figure out the connection, but their investigation goes nowhere. So uh, yeah, I picked this film. I've watched it for the first time, I believe it was earlier this year. I don't remember the last time I watched this movie, but this is my second viewing and I really wanted us to watch it because I wanted all of your opinions because for me, I don't really, I can't like really break down the movie by myself. I'm not nearly smart enough. <laughs> to do that same and um i was like man i need someone to share my confusion with me <laughs> and i'm glad you guys watched it so <laughs> what do you what are your initial impressions i'll go first if that's okay um i am so glad that you picked a movie by this filmmaker because uh kiyoshi kurosawa has been on my radar for the longest time Especially since um, I watched this one movie by one of his students, because I guess that Kiyoshi does a lot of um, filmmaking courses where, you know, in, his, in uh, his own personal life, one of his students is the name, or uh, their name is Shinji Aoyama, and unfortunately this person passed away this past year. Um, I literally just found out, found out about that like a few days ago, and I was really saddened by it. Um, uh, I watched this movie of Shinji's called Eureka, which has the same actor who plays uh, Detective Takabe in it. Uh, their name is uh, Koji Yakusho. And um, that movie has... That's been one that I've wanted to have us all watch together, just because it it's so strange how much alike that movie is in terms of like tone in comparison to this film. And I could totally see Kurosawa's uh, influence on Shinji's, you know, way that he approaches filmmaking. So when I saw the same actor in this movie, Cure, I got really excited about it. Um, I've also seen the, the same actor in like 13 Assassins by Takashi Mike. Um, and this film, like, Pat, you and I were, like, talking about, like, 
the influences that we or like the kind of vibes that it gave off mm-hmm. um i got a lot of bong joon ho vibes like memories of murder um parasite or no not parasite um seven yeah i got a lot of seven yeah, vibes definitely seven um yeah and I also got a lot of Andre Tarkovsky vibes from this too, like especially in the latter portion of it, like with Stalker and even Solaris at times. Um, and it was like so crazy to me to like see the voice of this filmmaker or the vision, I should say, um, you know, especially because I've just been wanting to see their work for the longest time, but have just haven't had the opportunity to get around to it. Um, this movie to me, it was, it was hard to put a, um, it was hard to determine where it was going in the first 50 minutes of it. Uh, cause I split this viewing up into 50 minutes, uh, or I split it up into two different viewings for me. I finished it today and right when I got back into it earlier, that's when it started to pick back up. Like after like 10 minutes, right around the hour five mark I was like oh (laughs) this is what it was building to and it just goes from that point on it is like it's like a roller coaster like building up and then it just like crashes down and then you're all going for like loop for loop for loop I really enjoyed it I had no idea it was going in the direction that it did Um, this is the first movie I've seen that has tackled this sort of content when it comes to horror, um, like it, it, it's like an existential horror film, um, in the sense that, you know, especially with the title "Cure," it's like, is there a cure at all, or is there not? I don't know, but I I really enjoyed this movie, and I'm really glad you picked this one. <laughs> I wanted to piggyback on that point. I had the exact same phenomenon where the, you know, the movie's start is a certain way. Not the start, but the first, I was like, I was following it along and I was like, okay, yes, yes. Not yes, yes. I was like, okay, I thought, I like, okay, he's doing this. Okay, how are they going to prove this? I'm very, I was very grounded in reality and like, okay, how's this all going to play out? And then there's like a certain shift where there's like a brief character switch, like main protagonist switch. And that's where I was like, I was like oh my God, I'm like, hold on. I like sit up like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> Are we going there? And then the Tarkovsky uh, point, the stalker. And there's, I think it was a stalker of 2001 element for sure in the ending, for sure. But yeah, I just loved, uh, I love the psych- psychology aspect. Uh, I have my own little I have my own little theories, I have my own little conspiracy connections, like always. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's so stylized, uh, very grim, very, you know, the gore doesn't feel grotesque, but like there's one or two points where like it goes hard, and it's like, whoa, okay, and then, yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's glorifying it directly, even when it goes like explicit and like shock, shocking, it's kind of like just like a... You know, it just gave me that hit of grim reality of like something happens and it's like, oh yeah, that's that's what my that's what my jaw looks like. That's what my part of the body. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just a human with a skeleton under my face. 
like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, but it's different to see it in film. It's like, oh, no, wait, but then that connects to the psychology aspects of, like, uh, what's the psyche constructed of? The body has, you know, skin and bones and organs. What's the psychological vulnerabilities we all have? And then to see it exploited in this film, in a way, it's like, oh, Jesus, maybe there is a... Yeah, it really dabbles with the uh, all that great stuff and just a great watch. And I can't wait to talk spoilers. Yeah, for me, uh, honestly, like, same thing. Like, the beginning, I was... I definitely like the back half of the film more. Um, but I think, like, for this type of movie, it for me, it, I feel like I'll have a better time talking about it than I did watching it. Because, like, Richie, you're saying, like, I'm like, I need... I need your help. I need... <laughs> help me, Tom Cruise! <laughs> Um, but I think there's like a few things that took away like the sound in this movie I noticed was like freaking on point A1 like this uh, certain aspects of this movie I think like could be taught like on how to effectively really use it how to effectively not use sound like complete silence it's like they go away from those (coughs) regular horror tropes and I think the sound really adds to that uneasy scary feeling in like an ordinary environment um but yeah I don't know I definitely caught myself comparing it to Seven a lot and I think that maybe was like a detriment to the way I feel about it cause I just couldn't figure out I never knew where I was <laughs> like you know, whereas I think Seven was obviously a little more easy to follow. But yeah, I still really, I really enjoyed this movie. Perfect, perfect horror for me. You know, we can't go much farther than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, in terms of like watching serial killer films, because I don't know, I kind of have like a morbid obsession when it comes to these movies like Memories of Murder, Seven, Zodiac. Um, yeah, I'd say this film is up there, like, is pretty elite, but, like, as a psychological horror film, my goodness, like, I haven't really seen anything like it before. Um, it has, like, very jarring, like, editing techniques, um, just images that just fly right by you, like, so fast that it makes you, like, want to rewind, and, like, it's like, why did he do that? Like, why did... Uh, Kurosawa like I don't know like the way this film is uh, put together it's um, yeah a lot of moments like that happen throughout Um, I like that the music slowly became um, distant as the film went on it was very prominent in the beginning with like this very happy-go-lucky music almost and then after that it started to fade away it's very weird and uh, I watched an interview uh, Kurosawa did and how he was like doing television films like for 10 years like before this film so this was like his biggest breakout and uh, I don't remember what he said but I think I feel like this was like his make it or like this was like his make or break film and it turned out to be like his most successful and it really launched his career because he was doing like t- TV films for like really cheap low budget for a long time and they're like all right we trust you 
so he decided to make this film and yeah little did he know like he really um launched a wave of japanese horror films like ring uh i believe the ring and the grudge so because of him um those films were able to follow suit and uh, yeah he had a huge impact on um horror then and like yeah the horror films that came in the 2000s you know um yeah and that influenced our modern horror films today too like i'd like to think that um but yeah, I, I love this movie. Like it's uh, even though I don't understand everything, um, it's still uh, hypnotizing to watch. Um, with that being said, let's uh, yeah, let's give our ratings and jump right into a spoiler discussion. I'll go first. I'm gonna give it five out of five. It's one of those. Uh, it's uh, just a, uh, it's a movie I'll always remember for sure, and it really uh, I don't know if this is a personal thing. I don't think it's a horror movie anymore, mm. especially like towards the end. As like a, it, it takes me right to transcendental cinema, where I'm like, oh, this is about you know more than, like we, we brought the comparisons to Seven, and uh, I think Zodiac. I think Zodiac and then Memories of Murder like kind of flirt with the uh, the higher the higher stuff than horror, but uh, this one really goes there and like just uh, really takes the cake in like going beyond the genre. It goes to it goes to like uh, how do I articulate this without spoiling? Because we're not spoilers. It goes to like the core of not just being human but like it, it, it made me think constantly about like do I have a dark side? not, not even that not even because I, I I believe the like always in the psychological stuff I think there's a clear especially with the protagonist there's a uh, there's a psychological separation when there's that question of like who are you really you know, like we're wearing masks and stuff. Almost, it seems like. I think so. I think it's like I, I think the film touches on like the innate fear of like the id in us. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's where like like when I was like seeing the uh, I'm not gonna try to spoil it, but I was seeing how characters were being influenced, and in the psychological aspect of like oh like I was trying to logically sit down and go like, you know, these characters like is he playing on this psychological phenomenon in them? Is uh, the reason our protagonist? is so resilient to that is because of the uh there's a split nature to him that allows him to have like an extra layer of protection that other characters lack and then the payoff in the end convinced me like oh yeah that is why like even the villain in the film is kind of like he doesn't have that same protection and so the yeah i don't want to spoil anymore but like yeah it just as, at that point when the, the the feeling of the film shifted, I felt like the uh, genre shifted with it and it became more like a, uh, kind of like a Solaris mm. minus the uh, love angle, but more of like a, yeah, just grippling with reality mm-hmm. film. And it's just really like, oh yeah, this is like, I gotta see, yeah, like the killings are kind of in the back pocket now. Now we're, now we're doing other stuff and we're asking bigger questions and like, yeah, the killings still matter and solving that. But then, yeah, spoiler stuff, spoiler stuff, spoiler stuff. 
amazing movie. Five out of five. Can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go four out of five just because I wasn't completely blown away. Um, I don't know. Maybe because I never caught myself. I, th- I thought I was going to be more scared, like more on edge. Like, I was getting real thriller vibes, but for some reason, I just never got, uh, I never went down the roller coaster, I guess, I feel like. So, that's why I give it that rating, but I'm excited for this conversation of spoilers. Yeah, I feel like I I share a similar sentiment with you, Tyler, too. Um, Like, it was mentioned earlier, like, I feel like so many aspects of this movie flew over my head, and... Yeah. Like, I watched this on Criterion, and, like, below it, there's, like, a little video essay that somebody made, and, like, the title of it was, like, Cure in parentheses, there isn't one. And I was like, okay, I can't watch this before we, like, <laughs> like I want to I wanna have my own opinions of it, you know? Um, which is why I was, like, really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I, I feel like I'm still processing the movie because I literally just finished it like two hours ago. Um, but I want to say before the 50 minute mark, it was sitting at about like a 3.5 to me uh, because it seemed like it was really well done. Um, it was very cohesive and everything, but I just didn't really like get the hook sunk into me yet. But once it got to around, like I said, the one hour and five minute mark, that's when it does like a 180 to me, or at least like a, a 90 degree <laughs> pivot where it goes in a very different direction. And and I was telling Pat, like it's like that Vince McMahon meme where, <laughs> where, where, where he's like sitting on the table and he's like, uh? and then all of a sudden it like, he goes up a notch and he's like, uh? and then he's like toppling over in the chair. Like that's how I felt with this movie. And I feel like this movie wouldn't work otherwise if it was if it was any different, um, because it, it sort of needs that lull that sort of uh, leads you in, you know, going off of like typical thriller vibes, like like you were mentioning with like Seven, um, like it, it it lures you in with that false sense of of nineties horror where like, mm-hmm. it's like the green tint, like, like yellow tint, whatever, you know, it's the serial killer committing like the similar kind of crimes with like a recurring motif. But then all of a sudden, like Pat said, it's in the back pocket. Like we, we know that it's, it's, we're moving past that now. Like you said, Pat, they still matter, but we're going to go off and explore this side of it all now too. And the thing of it is, is that, I, with this movie, I feel like the villain wasn't necessarily a villain at all. They were just sort of, they fell victim to this snare that has probably existed long before them, all because of like this scientific curiosity to go off into the unknown and to somehow try to come back with some sense of um, expanded knowledge to, you know, build upon the fire of knowledge in a, in a way. But it does that to, to, to humanity's detriment because with this phenomenon that is, like, afflicting them, there is no way out. Like, it's, it's beyond comprehension. 
It's it's not even like this tentacle monster coming to like attack you, like if you venture out into the galaxy a bit. It's not that at all. <laughs> like it's literally it goes beyond words, because it's a it's a spiritual matter. It's something that is so built inside of like occultism where you have to make like a leap of faith in order to bridge the gap beyond like modern human understanding and the capabilities of spiritual exploration and sort of stumbling upon the dark corner that should not be explored. It's like venturing out into space hoping that you're going to like find like another earth with like people who who can like communicate with us who won't want to like destroy us but you happen to come across the one in like 20,000 like planets where they don't communicate in the same language at all for instance they communicate through like ESP or something like that and then if you like breathe in some air you're like automatically like brainwashed into becoming like one of them they're like the Borg in like Star Trek <laughs> like like that's what that's what this movie reminds me of it humanity like reaches its like th- it's brick wall and it cannot push past this. It's like the great filter in a sense. And this movie, like I, right now I'm kind of stuck on the reading of 4.25 out of five, but that's purely because like, I just don't have the intelligence as well as the, the capability to process everything that I watched in this movie um, this is a very different movie than I'm like used to seeing in the horror genre, and once again, this is why I'm really excited to like talk about this with you all because like, even as we continue this discussion, I feel myself enjoying this movie more and more and more. Yeah, that was uh, really interesting listening to all of your thoughts and ratings and. Um... Yeah, for me, I'm going to give this film a, a 1 out of 5. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Imagine if I really hated it. <laughs> um, like, who's the killer? Who's the guy? <laughs> yeah, this, gave, this film gave me no answers. It has so many, too many plot holes. I hate it. No, um, no I, I'm with Patrick. I gave it a 5 out of 5. Um, when I first watched it, I gave it a 5 out of 5. And on a second viewing, I uh, loved it just as much. And... Um, yeah, the, uh, maybe I'm the I'm on the other end where I I do feel like our antagonist in this film is like legit like probably one of the scariest villains I've ever seen, and not even just in a horror film but like films in general. And um, I don't know, I just feel like there's more to it than we're led on to believe, and. Um, yeah, I love the, the, the performance, uh, especially from the, the lead actor. Um, let me get his name. Uh, Koji Yakusho. Um, yeah, in the very beginning, he's very well put together. And as we descend into madness, I love the fact that he... Yeah, I don't want to spoil it yet, but I, I love the, the change that this character um, has uh, as the story goes on and... Uh, even um, the actress who plays his wife for the minimal screen time that she had was uh, so good and so believable 
and um, obviously the the actor uh, uh, Masato um, Hagiwara who plays our main villain um, yeah I, I hated him <laughs> so much um, yeah, I don't know I don't I don't feel like he's a victim by any means and hopefully that's not spoiling too much but you know it, it did make me question that in the very beginning like okay is this person just a, a, a symptom uh, just like a, a a part of uh, the illness in society or it, do they really have agency and um, I feel like I kind of have a better grip or a better grasp on the answers a little bit more this time around and yeah I, I really like how strange this movie is all the long takes all the the, the jarring cuts to certain images uh, of characters remembering something and then even like some of the I don't know random possible yeah dream sequences maybe or like yeah it, it's oh man I, I was I was pretty creeped out by this film there are a couple of sequences where I'm like that was scary like legit scary at least to me and um yeah let's right, head right into spoilers to hear your first thoughts as I read it um, all the things that used to be inside me now they're all outside and that quote came from pretty much one of like one of my favorite scenes if not my favorite scene when um, the killer talks to um, the uh, the physician uh, yeah that was a very creepy scene and, and that's where we get the most from this villain I feel besides him uh, talking to um, detective uh, yeah where we get more of his um, hypnotic uh, nature <laughs> yeah I don't know how I feel I like uh, that moment didn't resonate with me and as the film progressed I think I saw the initial villain as like a not a not a victim but he seems like a child he seems like a kid who stumbled onto this stuff or whatever especially with the ending when we see the detective do a par have a parallel transformation or whatever then he's like just clean cut exactly the same and then he's like you know he's not he's not going around saying stuff like that he's just he just is that he just is it and people around him feel the waves of that as then is the takeaway i got from the ending and it really like juxtaposes with the uh, intro feeling of the and being introduced to the villain and like his asthmatic state uh how you know difficult certain things feel for him uh how sometimes almost convoluted it feels like his ways of hypnotizing people are but like he always has like a ace in the pocket like I can't smoke in here let me get a cup of water then 
mm-hmm. the scene with the detective when the detective takes the light and lights it next to him, but then the rain leaks through the ceiling and puts out the lighter, so it's not directed at the killer, at the hypnotist. It's, now the water is directed at the protagonist. It's a little, like, switcheroo. But yeah, like, that scene just connects to the ending for me of, like, it feels like that character's... Like, the student, he's a student, a psychiatrist, psychologically... Psychological... Ugh. Psychiatry student, I believe. Mm. And then, yeah, it just feels like he stumbled into the this greatness was transformed by it and then we see a protagonist our protagonist has that same transformation and just like sitting there ordering more coffee he's not he didn't forget anything he's not you know struggling he's not lost and aimless <laughs> he's he's cold and calculated and is uh yeah that, that, that was my takeaway with that scene of like oh I like in the intro I was like oh how's he hypnotizing how's he doing this it, it was engaging but, like after seeing the ending I'm like oh yeah this is a uh, you know it's like him so he like passed on his power as like he's the new, he's the new mesmer. I'll, right. I I think like uh, that's where the the film like when you first see mesmer, that was like where the film shifted for me so hard. Like I threw a table over as the feeling <laughs> I had. But it feels like uh, this is back to my theories of the ending or the, but yeah, it just feels like he's not the new mesmer. It's like a I think of like full monogamist. Of like he solved the truth. If you've seen the series, like that, and that means something in the series, and multiple characters see it, and they have different results, and they take away different things from it, and it feels like the uh, I forget the villain's name, the hypnotist's name. Mimia. 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 It feels like he saw it, but he's too juvenile, too young, and he was like kind of a victim of it, or just like you know now he's like an aimless child, where the protagonist sees it. He's not the new mesmer. He's just ascended. And a part of him died, and I think that's why we see a scene of a certain character with the cross on them. Yeah. That that part of him's died. That split of him between you know psych, mm. like super ego detective versus you know ego hu- husband and human. He's killed one part of that, and he's ascended, and he's sitting there, looking back at like at the start of the movie. He's like wearing his trench coat. He looks cleaned up, ordering coffee. Like oh yeah, give me more coffee. And then the end scene happens. And you're like oh shit, hold on. <laughs> Endings, yeah, not good. That's not none of it's good. But yeah, that scene with him, you know, like probing. It feels like he's doing with the the doctor. It feels like him like finding his way and how to influence these people. Mm. That's a lot, right? You guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It almost, yeah, it almost feels like. Um... I don't know, because the, the psychologist was mentioning how um, when you hypnotize people, it doesn't change, like, their their morals. And um, I don't know. Like, when you watch a movie, when a character starts explaining the rules of the world to you, mm-hmm. then that becomes the, um, the blueprint or, like, the gospel. But then now I felt like in this movie, everything that he was saying was wrong because he was saying how, like, oh, well, this person has amnesia. But then I'm thinking, like, well, no, he doesn't, because he seems pretty, like, aware of what he's doing. So I'm like, no. But then, yeah, I was like, he, he is, he has the ability to, to make people, I don't know if he's, like, like legit telling them exactly what they need to do. But um, somehow he persuades them without, like, telling them to kill somebody directly. Yeah. Um, 
this, this connects to the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> Believe it or not, go for it. Uh, when, when, when the doctor ex- when the doctor explained that part, that's where I had the, I had the guitar, I had the little moment of like, oh yeah, he's he he's hypnotizing him, but he's not he's not telling them to do something they wouldn't do. He, I feel like the film's communicating in two distinct scenes. One of them is the laundromat scene when our detective first goes there. Mm-hmm. And this may be a commentary on Japanese culture or like repressive cultures. He goes in there and there's another client or another uh, patron of the laundromat whose like ticket is missing or the guy's taken forever to find it. And he's just, he's just like speaking to himself in like a low breath. Like just like, I can't, I would... It give me like American Psycho vibes, but not American Psycho. But like, you know, like, like I will, if you don't shut your mouth, I will kill you. Scene. Right. It feels like that guy's sitting there just like doing that to himself, like clenched fists. And then the guy comes with his two stuff, his two jackets, and he's like, "Oh, thank you very much. Oh, have a good day. Bye bye." It feels like that. And then the uh, the officer who shoots his partner, mm-hmm. when they interrogate him about it, they he reveals like, "No, I just." Like he didn't mean to kill him, but like he had he had a deep loathing of him. Like he was too strict. He was too he right. was a pain in the ass at the station. Like it was more laid back before he showed up. And I, that's probably like I felt like he's I felt like he's not instructing him like oh yeah like grab a knife and like slit this person's throat in a cross pattern. I feel like he's like playing on like heightening their instinctual desires where it overrides their super ego. Where like he's like you know like he 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 like makes their desires like overcome everything else in like the immediate moment where it just feels natural like when he describes like oh no he was just you know he was just standing there getting on his bike and I just took out my gun and shot him for no reason and he's like why'd you kill even the first guy with his wife and he's like he introduces talking about the guy's wife by like hinting that she's uh, not uh, she's guilty of infidelity and he kind of believes her at the start, so he's like some kind of hang up on that, and it feels like he's playing on that of like you know, she's like slighted you, she's done this, you have all this rage, like your instinctual desire take over, and you're not doing anything you wouldn't do because it's dormant in you, and it's checked by your super ego. But he's like you know like, he's not he's hypnotizing to let that part of them like become a nat- natural thing, and where they don't even feel like it's not something they shouldn't do. Yeah. In those moments that he like influences them to murder and leave the ex. Mm-hmm. And it's like the detective, like his main prize, like his biggest challenge, the righteous detective. Yeah, like finding out what the like if he can control the detective, then he can do anybody. I don't know. That's True. a good point too. But that, yeah, it would be the complete conquering of the superego of what yeah. he is. Yeah, that's why. He, like he maybe he just was so crazy. He just wanted to find somebody he could get to kill him. So then he's passing on, like, now you have to deal with this burden. Exactly, which which is why I feel like he is kind of like a victim in that sense. Like, because we see him try to commit suicide um, by jumping off the building, and he only breaks, like, an ankle. Like, <laughs> and it's so comedic. Like, that's why it reminds me of, like, Bong Joon-ho's uh, early work in a way, because it's so quick to turn I like, the at any, like, given moment where it can be, like, something very serious as, like, ending one's life to, like, walking away with, like, a broken ankle. Um, but, um, yeah, we see him wanting to, like, end his life, but then also we see him having, like, a renewed sense of vigor, of vigor 
uh, when Takabe is interviewing him, you know, after he like catches him, um, he's trying to ask him like questions about his life, but um, like you're mentioning, Tyler, he finds like some sort of, some sort of like enjoyment in this because he Takabe's not giving into it. He's saying, "No, I'm only a detective. I'm the one. A- I'm the one asking the questions here. I'm not gonna give you any any sort of like." leeway with me which is why he gets so upset when he finds out that the younger police officer Mm -hmm. ends up dishing out some details Mm -hmm. to Mamiya um, because that's the moment when it's done like we were already kind of like questioning you know whether or not Takabe was you know on on the brink of destruction but that is the moment where it is like sealed like Richie, you mentioned that there are like some genuinely chilling moments in the editing. Okay, yeah, the uh, the one with his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that like, part was scary. I, sure. I legitimately had to rewind <laughs> that like a few times to make sure that it wasn't like a quirk in like what I was watching because it genuinely terrified me. I was like, oh no, this is like some subliminal editing right here. Like it reminded me of a uh, Anno's work. Where, like, you know, you have, like, a moment that really hits, but then it's heightened by this very impressionistic type where it, like, hits you with, like, oh, this image, this image, this image. It's, it's you know, it's a classic technique of juxtaposition and editing, but it's done so with, like, the rhythm of music in a way. Like, I was watching this interview for uh, the drummer of Yes... Um, as well as like King Crimson, and he's like this very renowned drummer. His name's Bill Bruford, but um, he has like this this way of looking at rhythm as being like a stream of water, basically. And as you impart a note, it's it's your will being asserted onto the rhythm it's, it, onto the rhythm itself. And the problem that a lot of people get into is asserting too much rhythm, or like asserting a note that doesn't fit inside of the stream. And, like, the reason why the editing technique works so well with, like, that montage of, like, sequences of Takabe realizing that, you know, he's done for, basically. You know, seeing his wife hung and then, like, crying or, like, screaming out in front of her and then her asking him what's wrong and then all of a sudden it jumps forward and then it jumps backwards. And it's just, it creates, like, this very dizzying effect of no longer being in control because it hits the rhythm dead on and i never seen that done so perfectly and it like blew me away in in the moment that i was watching it like it it genuinely took me by surprise because i was not expecting that and it's it's almost as like you the viewer have succumbed to whatever illness this is yeah reality is subjective from that point on in the film Mm mm-hmm I agree completely. I, that, that part, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. And then, yeah, that's... Uh, I, t- I told you about this before we recorded, but I love the... Or he's still not... Uh, he's still not a victim to me. Uh, can I get his name one more time? I'm sorry. Mamiya. Mamiya. He's still not a victim because he... Uh, yeah, he's sitting there like, oh, your wife this, your wife that. And uh, it comes up later, but I remember seeing that scene. I wanted like a... 
a Riggs from Lethal Weapon moment of like, oh, your memory's so good all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> oh, you're suddenly remembering everything about my wife. Like, oh, what's going on, man? <laughs> but no, he does. Uh, that comes up later in a very satisfying way. <laughs> But yeah, he's like, he's a little, he's being a little shit then. But then, yeah, when we go to the scene with his wife, that's where, like, reality's subjective. And uh, in my head, I was like, the only way this is going to end with him shooting, like, he can't be subjected to the law. Uh, because, yeah, like, what the hell is he guilty of? He's just, like, literally saying stuff to people and they then do actions. His control over it is kind of, it's, he has control over it, but it's, like, hard to interpret Right. In a legal sense, like how do you like how do you charge someone with that? Even even with the psychiatrist Sakuma, he was the most infuriating character to me during the <laughs> entire real. yeah during the entire like watch through of it because he would basically be like oh you know this person doesn't seem strange otherwise like every time they brought in you know the murderer and I I thought it was so comical in the beginning where uh, the the assailant who beat the prostitute over the head with the uh, with the pipe, mm-hmm. they were just inside of like a small little they closet. Find him. Yeah, and he was just naked. <laughs> like, like and he was just in there shivering. They they were like putting out like a, a like a, a barricade in like seventeen blocks of like block down this street through this street this street. We want you know fifty men going through the alleys. <laughs> Detective just opens the door in front of everybody. His eyes are <laughs> Yeah, like, this movie's so great at subverting, like, those types of, like, expectations, and I really enjoyed that, and, um, Tyler, you mentioned something earlier about this, too, uh, how this movie doesn't really feel like a horror movie, like, because personally, like, I agree with you, like, I was expecting to be way more terrified from this movie, like, I was expecting, like, you know, Ringu, or, like, uh, any other, like, 90s horror vibes from this, because... I feel like that's the era of horror that really gets to me. Yeah. Um, like, even seeing, like, previews of The Ring, like, as a child, terrified For sure. me. That's, like, I... early when you asked me that, I forgot. Like, The Ring and The Grudge, I never even mm-hmm. watched those. Yeah. But those were, like, the mo- big movies when we were kids. I was terrified. Like, that and, like, Majora's Mask, like, <laughs> like those terrified me as a, as a child. And I still have yet to go back to them. Although, like, I, I think The Ring is playing around here soon. And I might go check it out but um it's really interesting to see how this kind of film would impact the movies to come afterwards because like and i'm even trying to figure out like what kind of horror this would be like defined as because it's not like the typical like jump scares or like anything Mm -hmm. like that right because i'm actually like it's funny because I'm actually teaching a horror film to like my my students right now, and, and they don't realize all the subgenres of horror and whatnot. And like, there's like the occult, right? And there's like body horror, there's slasher, mm-hmm. there's monster movie, exploitation cinema. Um, but then there's psychological horror, which I feel like this movie would be under. And I don't think there's too many of note, I guess, in, in psychological horror. Um, yeah, I think it's all like done in like the editing and, and, the, and the dread that the, the film builds. I think that's where a lot of the horror lies. Yeah, it certainly doesn't have like the typical conventions like you mentioned, Kevin, of like things jumping out at you. Like the horror is like the dread and, and, and the, the intensity that builds in the scene because you know how powerful this being is, right? Um, but yeah, I think yeah, that's the way I interpret it. Yeah. It's more like a spiritual horror. 
Like when yeah. you were saying Solaris, like I definitely mm. feels more like watching Solaris than a psychological mm-hmm. horror. Yeah, because it, it feels like it's it's on the fringes of of our understanding, but it's just beyond grasp. And the thing that like makes me really weirded out by like this kind of horror is the fact that um, I don't know when it comes to like psychological horror, it seems like you know what's like the worst thing that could happen? Oh, you could forget your memory. Mm-hmm. You could forget all the people around you. But like with this, it's like all it takes is looking at a symbol, X, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, but what does that mean? And it's like if you even look at it, you're done for. Uh-huh. Like that's it. Like it's 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 almost like a virus. It's a spiritual mm-hmm. virus, mm-hmm. and. There's no way of like being able to successfully like navigate around it because at some point you have to be you have to see you have to see it on an empirical level. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, my favorite. Did you guys catch with the hand motion for the X? Mm-hmm. It's infinity. Yeah, it's infinity. Yeah. yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. It's like an incomplete, infinite, and then our our inability to understand infinite mm. is like represented because like when they do the hand motions, it's a clear. Infinity, but on the walls it's just the X part. On right. the wounds it's just the X part. But yeah, I feel like that 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 in, then impossible to understand thing is that you know the little infinite they're gesturing in that moment. And it's interesting too because like what you're saying, the which is why it keeps happening with the X because it can never be completed into that infinite symbol. Oh my God! Damn. <laughs> I, I, I were you guys. Were any of you guys petrified? Like, is that no? I'm good. No, that was, that was me on my side. <laughs> I I didn't get like the horror vibes until the scene with the the last scene with Mesmer, the ghost of Mesmer. Yes. Beyond the, beyond the plastic, I had to look away. I looked yeah. at like the corner that was of the terrifying. screen. Terrifying. Yeah. I didn't expect him like go boo or anything from behind that, but like I. For some reason, I just couldn't watch. I feel like that's what made it even worse, is the I, fact that there wasn't a boo. Yes. <laughs> I think the, uh, the scene with the, the doctor, too, the the female doctor, oh, the when there is, like, a little jump scare with the glass of water, when mm-hmm. he drops the glass of water. Mm-hmm. Like, that scene, too, was pretty... Mm-hmm. I'd say that scene and the um, the one with his wife, where he's imagining his wife yeah. are the two scariest. You know that glass scene? It's even... it's. That's when they, like, cut the sound out and, like, the water is creeping towards her. I'm like... I hated the fact that the cup didn't even break, too. Yeah. Like, because you expect it to break, but it doesn't. (laughs) I feel like this film, what it did for, like, Japanese horror and... I feel like what this film did for uh, Japanese horror and in the 90s is what like kind of similar what The Shining did in 1980 because I don't think there were any like psychological horror films that were like really followed suit you know like The Shining kind of is like its own thing and I don't really see any films being able to emulate that and when you watch The Shining, if you put yourself back in that time, you're wondering, like, okay, where are the horror elements? Okay, you see, like, you know, the moments where, like, the twins come up. But then other than that, it's just like, okay, you're just kind of watching the movie. It's kind of very slow-paced. You're just, I guess, slowly watching this person go mad, kind of like Detective was going mad, too. Um, and, yeah, a lot of that 
horror really comes in in like the final 20-30 minutes. Uh, kind of similar to this film. I feel like these two films are um, really strong in that uh, subgenre of psychological horror. Um, yeah, I think that's the only. Com- I, yeah, I just thought of that comparison just now that we're talking. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you consider Shutter Island a psychological horror? Yeah, I think yeah. it fits. It's like a psychological thriller with some horror elements. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't think it reaches. I don't think it reaches the heights. No, not the shining. No, nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Oh, I do love that movie though. I still need to. I've just been spoiled on it, and I've seen like parts. Oh really? It. Yeah. Just, yeah, I think if you watch that with no spoilers, it's different. It's like mm. Sixth Sense for the first time. Yeah. You know, I f- I feel like this. Um, one of the more recent horror movies I've seen was Vortex by Gaspar Noé. And oh, that was his, yeah, that's his most recent work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About the couple that are, like, fading away, basically. It, it reminded me of uh, Amour by uh, Mike, Mikhail Hanukkah, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's really interesting seeing like these types of uh, psychological horror movies because it attacks something that is so real, and even though like this movie itself seems so far fetched when it comes to like our waking lives, it just makes me like fear on on an existential level of like coming across something, you know, like you you turn a corner. And then all of a sudden you look at something that you shouldn't have seen, mm-hmm. uh, which which is like goes back to like Ringu, which is like you know you're you're popping in a video like a VHS tape that you know once you see it you're like that's that's it it's basically a death sentence. Um, like the MySpace bulletin board posts if you didn't <laughs> you didn't repost it curse for yeah, you repost this bulletin otherwise you'll die in like ten days like I fell for that. A yeah. couple times, and after that, I'm like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, I was like, I don't fucking, I can't keep posting these every time I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like this uh, this this sense of like uh, being unable to control fate in a way. Like it 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 attacks that fear, because I feel like as like human beings, we're like trying our best to take control of our own lives. And a lot of the problems that uh, can develop is when we try to exercise control over things that we do not have authority over, such as uh, the thoughts of others, such as the actions of others, such as uh, events that uh, just happen to take place. Like we can only really control our own, um, you know, attitudes or like reactions to things, as well as you know, placing goals and everything. But with these types of horror movies, it's like it attacks the fact that like you chose to do this and now you have to suffer the consequences of it um it reminds me of um cronenberg uh when it comes to um what's that movie we saw pat uh, uh videodrome yeah videodrome yeah. where it's like once you see videodrome there's no substituting it mm-hmm. like you're you basically have to cave into like this new ideal ideological perspective that has sort of forced itself upon you purely because of the fact that you let it in and like with this movie it just feels like a mixture of like 28 days later in a way as well because mm. it's like 
if you let the virus, like, touch you in it, like, even just a blood drop in the eyeball, like, it gets in your system, and then you're, that's it. Like, oh, God, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it. If we're, if we're <laughs> picking um, scary movies for the month, I might, that's what I was thinking. When you said signs, that would have been my, I'll probably do 28 Days Later. Oh, that was great, yeah. That's, that's a classic. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, that movie is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. eight-legged freaks. Oh, another one. <laughs> yeah. That movie. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson's in that one. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Like, I remember being very sad by the draw, the cat in the drywall scene. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember wanting to cry when I watched that the first time. <laughs> I was like, no. And then, like, yeah, people getting eaten by spiders. I'm like, eh. <laughs> the cat getting killed. I was like, no, this isn't acceptable. I, um, I, I do want to piggyback on the. I think uh, a big thing the film's doing. I, I thought was the uh, we're trying to be ourselves but then the film's like I feel like it's always saying but you know like we're all a lot more influenceable and programmable than we believe or like to think and that's what my big takeaway with the end is is like he's been not programmed but he's he's transformed himself to be uh, to resolve the uh, fracture created and uh, to resolve his personal issues with between him and his wife and his superego detective self. Yeah. He's pretty corrupted as a detective. You know how the psychologist was like, uh, well, he was telling him like, hey, we need to like um, grab all his things where we're taking him in. It's like, but they don't have any evidence. He's like, I don't care. This is the guy. Um, even though like we know as a viewer that he is the killer, but like, for them, they don't know that, right? That's not how their rules work there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I do, I do want to um, talk about Fumi, and the whole like Bluebeard. Yeah, I thought thing. there was a and, parallel like, the, between them. And the, the shaking time. table in the very beginning, and then we don't see any of that stuff until oh, much yeah. later, mm-hmm. um, back at the facility that um, Amiya was at. Um, that was kind of creepy when you when you find out that she doesn't remember the story um i I was like i was like whoa that's crazy because now we got this killer going around like making people like uh forget what they were just doing or like even like them meeting him like they had forgotten that would that made me think i was thinking it was going to be like a like the detective and uh mimia that's it um i thought it was going to be like a same person, like split personality type thing. Mm-hmm. I can see that when his, his outfits start looking like Mimia's. Yeah, because I was like, this is sus. Like, he's investigating this guy that has no memory, and then his wife has no memory. I, th- I thought of Monster right away. Yeah. <laughs> that part, I was like, oh, there's going to be some kind of, you know, non-direct ethereal connection between them. And then I thought of the Bluebeard story. Is that one of the Grimm's fairy tales? Or it's... it's it, I, I think it's one of the fairy tales. I don't remember how it ends. I out. forget the story. Yeah, but she she says the ending. She like intuitively knows that like oh she kills Bluebeard. I'm pretty sure it's the reverse in the book. I'm not sure though. Mm. But yeah, I for sure thought they were setting that up. Yeah, everything else about his character seemed normal except for this one aspect of him. Yeah, or just the parallel like the the weird am- am- amnesia amnesia state they were in his wife had that and then the killer has that I was like oh I wonder if there's some kind of just connection between them directly 
Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Did he like? He killed them both in a way, right? I mean, he obviously killed uh, Mamiya, and then he sent her to the mental hospital, and I assume she got. I mean, she got murdered in the process, but like, I don't like. Did she get murdered by somebody else? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm like really a, confused. That was like a split second. Yeah, and you shot. don't even know yeah. if it actually happened or not. Yeah, right? it's jump cuts, quick. Yeah, it might have been the nurse like foreseeing it. You right. know, she was gonna be the one to yeah. kill. Okay. That's what made me think like the power, or I don't know whatever you want to call it, like the powers from Mamiya transferred over to the detective because then he puts his wife away, and then. His like guilty dark side of his mind. He always wanted his wife to be gone, so he didn't have to deal with, yeah, you know, taking care of her and everything. Oh clean god, slate. that's terrifying. Yeah, because yeah, that was the, the slate. Yeah. That was yeah. the main thing. It was like he, uh, like, Kills that was he was like life. his biggest fear as his wife dying, but also his like biggest uh, like I don't know guilty uh, yeah. guilty want or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that. I mean, he just be rid of her. He came mm-hmm. home to that like the the raw meat oh, on yeah. the plate, and then like she got up to do something. I forgot what she did. Like she turned on the laundry. She turned on the yeah. 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 dryer or something. Yeah, and turned it off, and she turns it right back on. Which was super freaking creepy too. That's, like yeah. sound element, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in the dryer either. I loved uh, when um, Minami. Mamiya. Mamiya. <laughs> I'm like you butchering. We're so bad. Because <laughs> the subtitles, you read it in your head. Yeah. You just recognize the letters. I, I wasn't paying attention. Mamiya. Mamiya. I love when he's hammered on the radiator. Oh, yeah. And it shows yeah, like. shaking everything. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like an earthquake. Throughout but, the whole. <laughs> yeah, that's what it shows like the invisible influence mm-hmm. along certain characters he's established. Right. Just from interacting with him, like the unseen force has affected him enough where he's like just hit in a radiator. Yeah. And somehow it's causing like seismic tremors in these people's perspectives, which is reflected in the film of like, you know, the building shaking, uh, all that great stuff. And that's why I do agree. Like, yeah, it could have been the nurse that killed his wife. I just took it as like, oh, he killed her. Because it's just like, she looks like she's been dead for a while and she has the ex. Right. Like, it, re- it reminds me of, like, a few things. Um, the, the most classic story it reminds me of is, like, Medusa in a way. Because if you can catch, like, a glimpse of Medusa, she turns you to stone if she chooses. And in a more, like, modern example, it reminds me of, like, The Last of Us, where if you even breathe in, like, a spore, it'll turn you, you know, it'll eventually, like, turn you into... Know, a very deranged individual and perhaps like even a clicker um it's like this very like minute like molecular ple- molecular virus in a way and it, to me that is just so terrifying because it's like you have to be aware of it long before you're actually like face to face with it otherwise you're doomed <laughs> I would say you can't be... You, that, you can't yeah. escape it. Yeah, yeah you cannot... No. And, and that's why, like, with the title itself being, like, Cure, it's like, okay, is, is, is the cure just, like, basically an idea, like a concept, like a false hope? Or, like... It's, I don't know. Maybe the detective's safe because he ascends it. 
He's aware of it, and he's able to influence it. But he's he ends up becoming even more of an abomination than Mamiya, yeah. possibly. Because, like, with Mamiya, at least he was, like, trying to, like, kill himself. Like, well, you know, which is, which is very awful of me to say. But, like, you know, he, he's basically a blight upon humanity in the way that he's, like, influencing others to, like, murder themselves while foregoing all knowledge leading up to that event. You know, he's basically convincing them that, yes, you wanted to do this. Like, there was a seedling. All I did was water it. That's basically it. And then he sort of passes that on to Takabe, who Takabe actually is much more of sound mind than Mamiya is. Like, he's, he's at a diner eating. He's not, like, being like, oh, who are you? Uh, no, who are you really? No, yeah. he's like, yeah, can I get more coffee, please? No like, gimmicks needed. Yeah. <laughs> just pure interaction. But it was, it was even mentioned, though, that Takabi is, looks just as ill, and that he should also be in a mental hospital, too, right? Mm-hmm. It's just on the outside, he looks um, calm, but he's simmering on the inside, right? Kind of like the opposite, where... Um, Mamiya was saying, like, you know, all the things that are inside of me are now on the outside. It's like the yin and yang to each other. It's just like, oh, shoot, this guy needs to check himself in, too, right? Um, he, he's he's also sick. No, he's mm-hmm. definitely losing it. Yeah. He was condemning his wife. Yeah. And, yeah, the abomination talk makes me think of, again, the cure and all that stuff. It's one of those things of, like, you know, you could, uh... Our, our, our brave boys on Blackwater, they've ascended. <laughs> they can, they can stop. They can stack twenty bodies high, ruthlessly, cold-blooded killing, and then the civilians are the people who aren't ascended. And that's the question of you know. He's ascended in the film, but it's the thing of like, yeah, ascended to what? I yeah, maybe he's immune to influence, but maybe it's because he's an efficient uh, perpetrator of the system. It's the feeling I got from them, especially. Hmm. Yeah. And it seems like at the end, it's it's far worse off than when it was when we started with it. And that's what we live in. It seems like it's like a full-on outbreak at that point. Mm-hmm. But we are. But we're currently living in the outbreak. <laughs> yeah, no we, way. we see that waitress... Um, pull the knife out right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a quick cut it's just like oh man this film is so effective of like you want to see what happens but you you already know like you know what's gonna happen yeah you um, instinctually know yeah the way she's um, holding it too menacing mm-hmm. yeah um we should wrap up any finishing thoughts on the film I'm gonna bump up to 4.25 alright okay yeah uh, I love when he kills the hypnotist. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the moment I was waiting for with the, you remember and everything. You're, you're so, you remember so much now. <laughs> like he basically does that in that scene. I was like really excited. Shot him in the right face. When he does the, right when he's doing the motioning of the hands, he yeah. just like fires like Shot five. him in the face like six times. <laughs> and yeah, like a desperate little like symbol. Like, okay, here's my last, my it last like digit hope. To was, like, control yeah. them. It was a passionate killing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, multiple, multiple shots. It's like, dang, this dude got shot, like, 12 times. <laughs> and again, the passionate to the the man-made machine, I think, of, like, seven. Brad Pitt's weeping. He, sh- he shoots him a lot. 
But in this one, he's just just stands over him and puts five in his face. I think like maybe he's out of ammo, but he's like, okay, that's enough. Then he yeah, and then he finds that um, that recording. Mm-hmm. They also the the hypnotizing recording, and it I don't know does it, I can't even tell if it even worked on him or not or like. I feel like it was just it? adding more fuel to the fire. <laughs> like I, at that point. Yeah, I think that was the transcendental moment for the like the. Like, that was the truth. That was the, whatever, Mesmer in 1898, wherever his research took him, whatever truth he discovered, uh, he put on that little phonograph with Edison, Mm -hmm. Edison Industries, whatever, logo from, like, 19-whatever. And I hated how it, like, echoed itself as it was playing. That made it even more, like... In the uh, stalker bathroom, I was like, "Oh, so I'm all, right. I'm with the water floor. all on the ground <laughs> yes. from the rainstorm." <laughs> yeah, I interpreted that, that little thing as like, and then it's like a meta f- aspect of the film, where I feel like, uh, yeah, I felt like a great little, a little small like one percent anxiety in me of like, oh, like <laughs> the, we're following this character on this journey, and he's at the transcendental moment. I'm like, what if this trans, you know. What if I transcend in this moment? <laughs> I don't believe what happened, but like you know, I'm like a paranoia. I get like I still believe aliens will abduct me sometimes when I think about them too hard because they can read my mind. <laughs> so yeah, I was watching the movies like, oh shit, what if this movie's like actually you know, what if I'm going on a parallel adventure? And now that we're seeing the shared no, but in the film I took it as he killed uh, the hypnotist. He's 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 gone so far on the journey here's his reward and it's this cryptic indecipherable series of words to me and the audience but uh, to him I think that's what kicked him over like that was the unlocking did um Mamiya have like a dead monkey or something or in his place oh, yeah. mm-hmm. was, like, with the X was that supposed to represent like or cause his wife was almost like similar color I feel like to that I don't know because when she looked dead it looked like she was dead for a while yeah I don't know I feel like there's a connection there maybe and um I know we didn't mention this Sakuma um killing himself instead of him murdering somebody he like committed suicide and then yeah he had handcuffs though like to me why would a psychiatrist have handcuffs but I, yeah that that scene where especially when the detective looks at this the handcuffs for like a good five seconds and then yeah. he looks away i think it was like he just he handcuffed him to the thing to protect Wait, him do you think what takabi may have killed him or something because remember he did have that vision or something a vision or dream sequence where like takabi like cornered him mm-hmm. in that room or with something. the monkey yeah, yeah that was really um yeah that was creepy yeah. <laughs> that was strange I didn't take that as him killing. I took it as like him handcuffing him for his own protection and right. protection of others. So and then like just, an end result is he right. had to kill himself. Okay. Like he had to but do I'm, the X on something and he's like, I'm the only one here. And he's like, shh, shh. That makes sense, yeah. But in a way, the, te- the detective is responsible mm-hmm. for that because, you know, if, if the hypnotist is responsible for influencing these people, he's responsible for trapping him in that situation. Right. Yeah, and then he let... Mia go, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. He um, let yeah, him he escape. killed the cop. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. he? I feel like he did. I, okay. Yeah, they don't show it, but that's what Mia Mia says, right? He's like, you helped me escape. And yeah. Yes, yeah, so which proves that he isn't amnesia. Like, he, he isn't afflicted with amnesia whatsoever. I, it's yeah. all just an act. 
I took the You Let Me Escape as like him asserting like you knew what I am and if you really wanted to stop me you would have shot me like above the law you would have put me down but you're so curious and you wanted to pursue what I pursued that you allowed me free reign to like you know influence the detective to come in and be killed or whatever killed by a nurse who sees the wall shaking who yeah like I thought I thought the scene when he broke out and the car was driving, I thought for sure there was going to be uh, the hypnotist like in the back seat, just like like Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, yeah. like, being escorted out by the cops he's had influence over. <laughs> I almost like when he's just doing the little thing, I was waiting for like a little like shh, shh and then it's him, but no, it was there. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the like the condensation on the window? Yeah, I was I expecting was like a draw big X, X too. Yeah, but no, it was just like shh, shh, shh. It's it's open interpretation. I think, yeah, I, I agree. He could have, maybe he did. That's part of the ceremony to take go to the old. What is it? Institution? The ruins? Mm-hmm. I love that. That that scene uh, hit so hard when it's the like doctors the birth of evil. Yeah, when the doctors standing outside the ruins and there's just like a, a literal ghost looking at him, like partly obscured by the window. That's I, yeah. I was so excited uh, from the movie from then on. Uh. <laughs> Sends a shiver right down my spine. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, we're 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 seeing truths not meant for man." I'm like, "I'm I'm on board." The police serial serial killer hunt is kind of put in the backseat, but I'm here for it. Right. Yeah, this film. Uh, yeah, it definitely trumps like all the typical like manic crazy villain, you know, where he's just like calm and aloof. He's like, "Who are you?" Where am I? It's just so annoying. It's just, stop. <laughs> it's so annoying. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, it does a really good job of, like, making you question whether mm-hmm. he's being deliberate or not. Right. Oh. Definitely not, like, a Kevin Spacey at seven. Yeah. Right. Kevin Spacey just being a fucking mm-hmm. little conniving asshole. Sometimes. <laughs> well, this guy, you may, he may even... Like, it's up for debate. This guy is just as dangerous, right? You're just like... Alright, I don't think he can hurt a fly, but I don't think he was yeah, I don't think he's a victim though either. I think for sure he he remembered everything he knew what he was doing. It's like the kid in Twilight Zone. He just gotta catch you with his flame, get you vulnerable, you know, ask you who you really are like ten times and you have an existential crisis. (laughs) Then you hear the flick of the lighter and you're fucked. Yeah, I I like Takabi like had enough of his shit and just slapped his hand out of the way like you you, you give me all the answers like it's like thank you do that to him because like, yeah. he's terrible um and the other wife the wife when she hung herself scene if I'm mm-hmm. the detective I'm going back just, <laughs> just yeah <laughs> like once you're once you're that gone it's like mm-hmm. I gotta like it's just gonna get worse <laughs> it's just not gonna be good I'm already I'm already corrupted. Like <laughs> that you hand in your badge. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. My grip on my reality my grip on reality's gone. I'm gonna either kill my wife or like just I don't even know. I better just kill this guy now before the next detection comes along. <laughs> I hope this uh, film is a less uh, a lesson for you, Patrick. So you, when yeah. you do lose your mind one day, this is a blueprint. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be no X's. I promise that. I'm more of a manifesto type. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, on that on that note, on that manifesto, um, thank you all for 
joining me on this review of Cure. Um, yeah, this is quite the movie, quite the journey, and yeah, this is Halloween season. Can't wait for, for more spooky films for us to watch. Um, and again, uh, my name is Richie. Thank you again for listening to our LA Film episode 53, and this is Kevin, DJ Kevy Kev, <laughs> uh, Patrick, and Tyler. And uh, we're signing off. If you want, you could follow us on uh, Instagram at Lee Film Podcast. And if you ever want to write into us, you could do so by sending us an email at leefilmpodcast at gmail.com. But uh, until the next episode, stay spooky, you know? And, uh... Oh, God, what's that rumbling? Why are the walls shaking? Oh, uh, God. It's my neighbor's... What the, the fuck? The garbage cans. Kevin, who put that X on your wall? Oh, like, God. <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's it's nothing. Nice. Uh, it's nothing. I, I just thought it would help me concentrate Frank. more. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you on the next episode. All right, take care. <laughs>